listeners, and welcome to another episode of the WIP12 podcast. Today, it's me, Headchime, uh, taking this episode, um, and we've got a brand new feature, quite exciting one. Um, this is called Couch to Competitive, and in this series, every episode is going to explore one specific topic that falls within the hierarchy of competitive play. And the idea is that whether you're a new or an experienced player, to help you to understand more about what it is to play Infinity competitively, what the different skill sets are, and to gather lots of different ideas. Hopefully, it can act as a springboard to give you a better appreciation and understanding of the game. Today, I have a guest, uh, Cavrion, um, and we're going to be talking about improving at Infinity, what it takes to improve and what it means to improve and all of these kind of questions. Um, so, Cavrion, hey, it's uh, good to have you on the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be here. Cool. Yeah, it's really nice to finally get to speak to you as well because uh, you've been kind of making waves with some of the online events for a little while now, right? Yeah, I've been pretty active in the online events and uh, I guess I've been doing pretty well. <laughs> I've heard. You now have uh, two trophies on the tabletop simulator mod, right? <laughs> I, I think so, something yeah. like that. One on the left, nice. one on the right. Nice. Uh, loving it as well. Steel Phalanx as well, I think, if I'm right. That's right. I have, you know, I've done both of these events with Steel Phalanx. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, I'll probably get onto that and ask you a little bit about it in a bit. But just to start, like, how long have you been playing for then? Um, It's hard to say. I think I've been playing for... Um, about three years mm -hmm. but when i you know when i started i was really just playing with like one or two specific friends right um and i you know uh, almost exclusively on tabletop simulator as well i okay. had some models but um for convenience and because of where i was that was it was easier to just play on tabletop simulator like once a week and yeah, save sure. the game halfway through etc cool so you really started on tts actually yeah i did mm. And so you've been playing Steel Phalanx most recently. Um, did you start with another faction, or have you always been like an ALF player? Or you know, actually, honestly, I I still think of myself as a nomad player. Oh, you do. That is taking. Yeah, okay. I'm a brief brief vacation in Steel Phalanx. Okay, okay. Um, um, that's interesting though to to go from nomads to uh, to ALF. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Um. So. I guess the first question I had is um, I'm just curious about, you know, playing Steel Phalanx because I think one of the general uh, kind of opinions that I see a lot is that, you know, Steel Phalanx is really tough, like they're very hard to play. Um, you know, that unplayable word gets thrown around sometimes. Um, like what's mm -hmm. been your perspective of picking them up? That's a good question. Um, I think that uh, broadly speaking, if you're going to sit down and you're going to try to make a list from scratch, then you're going to end up missing a lot of the tools that other factions have access to. Uh -huh. And you're going to be forced to play um, around those those absences, mm -hmm. and that can lead to feeling kind of awkward if okay. you were trying to play it like something else. You know, you don't have HMGs that can take out ARO pieces. Right. You know, you don't have fast units like... Um, you got Petacilia as your bike, but she's your only bike, and she's quite expensive. She is. Um, you barely have any Impetuous Warbands, and yep. you have basically no Marker State and basically no Midfield Specialists. Mm -hmm. So 
if your plan is to let's say nomads, right? Because I play that. If your plan is to hide behind, you know, your midfield ARO pieces or yeah. your midfield uh, repeaters and stuff, and then like send forward one fast attacker per turn, mm-hmm. um, you know, Steel Phalanx can't do that. Right. So I think that um, that being said, there are some extremely tough units, right? Yes. People yeah. like Ajax, people like Achilles, people like Hector, um, people like McKeon. Mm-hmm. People like Phoenix. These units are incredibly hard to pin down, hard mm-hmm. to deal with for your opponent unless they have exactly the right tool. Right. That and um, and yeah, and, and so I think that taking advantage of that, especially taking advantage of that in Steel Phalanx, gives them um, has been what allows me to do as well as I have in the tournaments. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I can really resonate with what you're saying there. I've actually played a game against Vanilla ALF in Panic Room yesterday. Was it? Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it was It was yesterday. And um, they had Ajax and they had Achilles in the room and mm-hmm. it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare to pin them down. Like, even my MSV units, because they were typically coming with, like, uh, Red Furies and stuff. So, you know, the Armor 5 or the Armor 6 or whatever was just kind of fine. Um, it, was t- it, was, it was a rough game, actually. Mm-hmm. So, I guess what I'm hearing you say is that, like, if you come into a faction uh, with a preconceived, like, idea of your playstyle, and mm-hmm. uh, I guess that might lead you to say, oh, you know, this faction's weak, right? Because I don't have Uberfall Commando. I don't have Puppet Tactica. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't play the way I'm used to playing. I don't like this. It doesn't work. Is that is that mm-hmm. something that you've seen? Um. Well... You know, I'm not necessarily going to make a blanket statement about all factions in sure, general, sure. but I will say in Steel Phalanx, um, and and maybe I can make a, a blanket statement. Maybe in general, um, you know, you really want to look at the units in that faction right. that are really awesome. Okay. okay, and you're going to want to play with those units the way that they want to be played with. Sure. So you're saying, you what, know, what does this faction do? It's not right. It, the problem is, I guess, if you come with the question of what do I want to do, not every faction right. is going to be for you, right? Right. But right. if you if you ask what is good in this faction, then you're likely to find something that you can try. Hmm. Yeah. At least in the context of Steel Phalanx um, and Nomads, I think that's true. Mm-hmm. And um, to take this on the other side, right? Um, Vanilla Nomads does not have the ability to move lots of really, really, really robust, tough pieces around together. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are vanilla factions, so no fire teams, but yep. also, if you look at what most vanilla pieces that people take have, mm-hmm. they're mostly one wound, they're mostly, mostly. low armor, yeah. right? They're mostly non-mimetic, they yep. mostly don't have, you know, linked eclipse grenades, right. like McKeon does. Right. So these are things that Steel Phalanx has that Vanilla Nomads doesn't have. So I think the flip side is also true, that if you want to play Vanilla Nomads like Steel Phalanx, mm. you're also going to, like, you might come away with the conclusion of, like, hey, what what the heck? Right, absolutely. Yeah, because you're, you're not going to have access to some of these pieces. It makes sense a lot. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting as well, because in the larger Vanilla factions, you can often do an impression of it, right? You might be able to take, like, a more robust unit, but there's not quite that availability. You know, like, Mm -hmm. I guess, what would I say? You know, like, maybe a Cruiser or a Riot Girl is robust, but it's not Ajax. It's not Achilles, right? It's not the same thing. Exactly. It's it's not the same thing, Um, and, and, and that's exactly the point. Right. Yep. 
So, so let's move a little bit onto talking about you know playing competitively and what that means to you. So, um, when when would you say you started to play competitively? Like, was it a transition, or did you just you know start the game? and You're like, I want to be good at this game. Is that, is that your yeah? Experience? It's it's a really good question. Um, I would say when when we say play competitively, um, I think we kind of want to split that into two things. Uh-huh. And the first thing I would say is, you know, when did I start? caring about you know getting good playing well that kind of thing and for me that was since day one right i feel like i've really enjoyed infinity because it's a game that rewards playing well the more that you understand your units understand order efficiency understand statistics all that stuff the more you can do that the better you will play and the game will reward you for it um and I've I've cared about that since day one, and you know I have I have very distinct memories of putting a repeater next to my friend's squallow, and both of us were just like, okay, this is a really interesting situation. The squallow is very powerful, but the repeater, you know, shuts it down. Yeah. What are we supposed to do in this situation? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and so from day one, I've cared about answering questions like that. Mm-hmm. I've, I've found those questions interesting to think about, and I've enjoyed thinking about them and. Yeah. finding those answers right so so i guess um a lot of the time in infinity gameplay like you're asked questions you know can you deal with x unit or can you deal with you know y situation and mm-hmm. maybe in a competitive sense what you're saying is that you're kind of exploring those questions and trying to answer them as best as you can and maybe that might shape specific unit choices and strategies and like maneuvers and orders and stuff that you're thinking about mm-hmm um, and so I guess if you're mainly a TTS player, I guess your experience with tournaments and stuff has mainly been online. Um, I know you've played in Vols events and some of ours and stuff at IGL. Yeah, I've played in in-person stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, my, to, to get to the second half of playing competitively is going to tournaments. Um, my first in-person tournament was in February of 2020. Right. And my second in-person tournament would have been shortly after you know all the lockdown started so those opportunities to play in person in tournaments are really just opening up kind of now-ish if that makes sense right i mean we're really only seeing that now right so i play a lot on tts i do play pretty regularly um in in in-person tournaments these days i think um because they're available and um you know it's it's fun to actually play with models that I've painted and to see models that other people have painted and to see what kind of cool terrain choices people come up with. Right. Um, I, I do enjoy that. And you don't, you don't get that as much on TTS cause um, well, you get a different thing on TTS. You get to yeah. play with the models that <laughs> these pro painters have uh, <laughs> sure. painted. Yeah, definitely. It's just a very different experience online, isn't it? It's a different kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so today's topic really is about, um, improving, um, what it is to improve and what that kind of means. So I guess the first question I have is, I suppose, why, why bother or why care about improving? Yeah. Um, you know, I think that's a really good question that I think is, um, you know, we, you know, I were bouncing back and forth about this episode beforehand. And I think that for me, um, you know, when, when we say, why do we care about improving? When we say, why do we care about getting good, being good? Um, you know, is, is it because I like the challenge? And um, 
the answer is no. I kind of don't like the challenge. I kind of don't like losing. Um, mm-hmm. Is it because I like beating other people? Not really. Um, I kind of don't like beating my friends, to be honest. Like, it, it kind of feels like I'm being a jerk right. a little bit. But I personally really, really enjoy uh, high-quality play. I enjoy seeing other people play really well, mm-hmm. and I enjoy when I play really well. Right. And um, you really – you can only get that. Maybe only is a strong word. But I find that it's Infinity provides opportunities to get really high-quality play mm-hmm. because it's competitive – because your opponent can respond to both what you're doing in a game yeah. and also what you're doing in a meta sense, yep. you're never going to solve the AI because there is no AI. Yep. And even if you find the best list, your opponent is going to become aware of that list and respond to how that list plays. And even if you keep playing the same list, you'll have to play it differently because yep. they'll respond to it. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, you've said a couple of things there that are quite interesting. I think the first thing is that you know, if you're trying to play well, then you often get these moments in games where someone does a really interesting move, and you're kind of sitting there thinking, "Wow, you know, that was a great move. How do I deal with that?" Um, right. That that challenge is really interesting, and it, I find that really stimulating as well. You know, um, mm-hmm. and I really like those bonding moments where you're kind of playing a game with someone like a friend, and you say, "Actually, you know, that was that was a great move. Like, I genuinely don't know what to do here," and you can kind of have mm-hmm. a chat about it and think about that. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess the other thing you're saying is that like there isn't there isn't an AI, you're playing against people. But even if you solve, you know, a list or a faction in the meta sense, whatever that means, um, people are going to respond to what you're doing. And that's a really good point because it makes me think immediately about the fact that, you know, I know that most Ariadna players right now are gonna take bears, it's a very common unit, and like subsequently my hackers lum lists have started to take units that make bears quite upset. Um mm-hmm. And that's interesting because then it poses the question like, you know, do those players like learn to play differently with the bears to avoid those units or do they just take something else? Right. Right. And and I think that um, the the exercise of, um, you know, you're, you're trying to counter what you think the other person's going to bring, but you're going to do it imperfectly. Yeah. And you're going to try to deploy to defend well or to attack well, but you're going to do it imperfectly. Mm-hmm. And uh, figuring out how both players can deal with the mistakes that the other person has made or the imperfections that the other person has made and do a better job of that um, is, you know, that's gameplay. That's going to happen right. at the table. And it's going to be interesting Um you know, most of the time when it happens. Mm -hmm. And I say this as someone who has played basically literally the same steel phalanx list again and again and again for, you know, the past, I don't know, five, six tournaments now. Yeah. And it, I, I'm not bored of this list because every single game I've got to figure out a different problem. Yeah. And, um, and that kind of thing. So. No, I, I agree with you entirely. I've played virtually the same Hackerslum list, almost the same Hackerslum list, for maybe a year now. And mm-hmm. that's not boring to me because every time I go up against a different opponent or a different faction, they do different moves. Um, and part of improving at the game is saying, like, look, these are my resources. Like, I want to get good at using this resource in as many different mm-hmm. situations as possible. That's mm-hmm. that's the challenge, and that's really cool. That's what I really like mm-hmm. about Infinity. Um, yeah. And I, that, that's what you were saying specifically about improving infinity is this idea of like you're put in difficult situations and finding your way out of those situations is really enjoyable for a lot of people. 
Right, exactly. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Especially especially for me, I you know, I started on Tabletop Simulator and that means that Infinity has always been mo- mostly a game, right? I you right. know, it hasn't been about um painting models, although I have models and enjoy painting them, and it hasn't been about buying terrain, although I have terrain and enjoy buying it. The intellectual exercise of playing this game has been my main draw yeah. and the draw of most of the people that I started to learn how to play with. Yeah, it certainly makes sense. It's it's a very challenging game at times, so there's a lot of mm-hmm. that in there. Um, so my next question would be, you know, you said that quite early on you started to consciously think about improving. Um what were you drawn to first? Were you drawn to like list building exercises or different kind of play patterns? So like trying things out on the table or, you know, when you think about improving, what did you do first? That's a great question. Um, I think that you do want to think about, you know, multi facets of the game. You do want to think about list building. You do want to think about matchups. You do want to think about play at the table. Yeah. Um, And for me, I I don't know that I am great at making lists. Most of my best lists are ones that I've seen other people play and taken. So um, I didn't start by getting good at making lists. I still think I'm not that good at making lists. For me, the thing that I find interesting is play at the table. You know, it's your turn. What is the best strategy? Right. Or it's your ARO. Um, do you want to dodge or shoot or what? Mm-hmm. Okay. That, so... That's... That's been what's interesting. So those those play patterns are super important to you. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I think I've also kind of seen you say to me that like Infinity feels often as though it's a very difficult game and it's really tough to make the right decisions in a lot of situations. Like, what are you leaving out to ARO? What are you pushing forwards? Um, mm-hmm. That kind of stuff can be quite a challenge. So. You're talking a lot about play patterns. You know, what am I doing on the table to succeed? Yeah, yeah. I And, and to, to what you were saying, or I guess what I was saying, is I do feel like Infinity is uh, is hard. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to make mistakes. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to... Uh, simply, units are so fragile. Yep. And um, the active turn player has such an advantage over the reactive player mm. that if you're trying to defend suddenly all of your pieces are dead and you're like, hey, how did that happen? Yeah. But of yeah. course the flip side is as the attacker, um, you've got to you've got to win every single ARO or right. I mean how many times have you heard the story of Hero Warcore who shut down Achilles? Oh yeah. Um, you know, that that LF game I played yesterday, like Dilami crit Achilles to death with a Panzerfaust. Um and mm-hmm. that primarily happened because Achilles chose to split burst. So he was putting like two dice into things and I just got the lucky roll and that was it. So yeah. right, yeah, right. So yeah, exactly. So so the fact that everything is so uh, let's call it brittle, maybe not mm. fragile, but brittle. It it can it can shatter it um, at any moment for the wrong reasons. Um, that means that you've got to think a lot about um, keeping your pieces the right level of safe and the right, right. level of active. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and so on. And, and and that means that the game has a lot of depth in my opinion yeah okay so when we're improving we're also looking at getting to know our units and how hard we can push them you know like do i leave this Mm -hmm. unit out to aro is it is it just not going to be worth it how hard can i push 
this unit into mm-hmm. my enemy's deployment zone like are they going to get hacked immediately and die can they take a shotgun and keep going you know right understanding um the the units that you've picked and how to play them is is absolutely fundamental right when when achilles gets crit by a delami panzerfaust <laughs> how far away is he from a doctor that can right. medicate him yeah absolutely all of this kind of stuff is really interesting and then you also need to I guess, think a lot about risk assessment because you need to think, well, you know, how likely is that to actually happen? Is this a failure of Achilles or is this just a game? Mm -hmm. You know, was this just this one game or was it a thing, you know? Right. Um, Right, right. You should never count on your opponent to crit on any single roll, but if you play the game thinking that your opponent is never going to crit and then you get crit, I mean, that's not bad luck. That's just like a thing that, you know, can happen from time to time and you need to be strategizing around it yeah absolutely you know it's very possible um so moving on to the next question that's linked to this what do you think helped you the most when it came to improving was it something like practicing specific things or did you maybe look at deployment or you know was there something in particular that really accelerated your play yeah so one thing that i have been able to do uh, because specifically I was playing on Tabletop Simulator, although I think you could do this in person, and I'll get to that in a second, mm-hmm. is I would save the game at basically any crucial moment. Okay. Um, right after deployment is always a good example to save the game, but also right before my opponent is going to go on a rainbow run, or right before I need to have my piece make an attack. Okay. And yeah. what's useful here is after you deploy... If your opponent takes their linked HMG and just cuts you to pieces, mm-hmm. um, what you can do on your own time is you can load that save file and say, okay, what what could I have done differently to avoid that situation? Could I have deployed like this or like that or what have you? Right. Um, right. So I, I have a very distinct memory when I was learning. I was playing Bakunin and I was playing against Caledonia. This was in N3. Okay. And uh, I had lots of bots. I had lots of the Lunacods with the glue guns. I had lots of flashball spots. And in N3, um, you could, before deployment, I think you could give all of your drones um, burst two in ARO. So I thought, this is is great. All my drones are going to have burst two in ARO. So I set them all up in this defensive position where they could see everything. And I was like, this is going to be great. And and my opponent's, you know, gray rifle, core link, just cut everything to ribbons. (laughs) Right? And I thought, that wasn't supposed to happen. I had I had all these linked arrows. What happened? Mm. And I, so I saved the game and I loaded it and I saved the game and I loaded it and I and I practiced you know playing as the Caledonia player shadow boxing against myself. Right. And I basically learned a lesson that I think every veteran Infinity player learns at some point, which is defense is really hard. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the absolutely. active player is always going to choose a piece that has the better burst yep. and is very likely to win the face-to-face. Right. And if they don't have such a piece, they're going to ignore you. They're going to yep. throw smoke. They're going to play somewhere else. Yeah. Um, and so relying on having lots of pieces on ARO, mm-hmm. it, it's not a strategy that works. Sure. And I learned that, you know, because I could save the game and go and, and, and imagine playing against myself and testing out different ideas and different strategies and different deployments. Right. So you're just repeating things over and over again. You're learning lessons. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, well, and, and taking it from actual gameplay experience almost sure. makes it sort of like a chess problem. Yeah, that, right. You know, by studying this, it's an infinity problem, not a chess problem, but same idea, yeah. you'll you'll maybe learn something. 
it makes a lot of sense. Um, so when it comes to where you started as compared to where you are now, what do you think mm-hmm. it was that you understood least? Like, what took the most work to really get down? Um, when I started, I was reading, I believe it was Zavros's Infinity Guide. Mm-hmm. And in Zavros's Infinity Guide, he talks a lot about unit roles. Okay. And, um, you know, he talks about things like the hammer, um, which is the, you know, it's the piece that with the HMG that you use to hammer down enemy arrow pieces. Right. Um, he talked about things like the hunter, which is um, – I might call that a fast attack, someone that can get in there and kill something. Right. And right. he talked about the MSV trooper, and I was on board with all these. All the definitions made sense, but when I sat down to make lists, I, I was making a list, and I was like, okay, this is my hammer. This is my hunter. This is my MSV unit, and so on, mm-hmm. and that didn't quite work because um, when the, – the thing is is that you know, a, a unit at the list building level might fit into a category, but at the table, a unit can have many different roles depending yeah. on the circumstance. Yeah, um, any trooper that's getting shot at becomes an ARO piece, mm-hmm. um, maybe a bad one, but they are on ARO. And any piece that has the opportunity to make an attack run, mm-hmm. um, they may not be a Rambo, but they're at least a hunter. Like your midfield skirmisher... Um, if they're at the right place and there's a gap, they can run up and get some work done with their combi rifle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, there's a lot of opportunistic stuff that goes on as well. Right. So the thing that I realized was that these unit roles of attacker, defender, hunter, hammer, that kind of thing, mm-hmm. they should be considered very dynamic. And yes. they are, they're useful for evaluating which piece is the right piece to use at any given moment. Yeah, right. But they're they're really not fixed in place at the list building level. No, and, definitely not. And, and these days, the best example that I kind of come up with is um, I use Achilles very often as an arrow piece. Interesting. And okay. At, at the fixed level, you know, Achilles really shouldn't be an arrow piece. In fact, in vanilla Aleph, if you're building an Achilles list, Achilles tends to be the thing you want to defend, right? You want right. to use your arrow pieces to keep Achilles safe. Yeah. But in my particular steel phalanx list that I've been running, um, Achilles has lots of armor. He's got lots of wounds. He's got yep. a little bit of mimetism. He dodges like a champion. And he's not part of any of my link teams. So sure. he can sit there and face the world. And if he gets killed or knocked unconscious or whatever, I still have the rest of my list that's yeah. able to function. Sure, that makes sense. So he can be flexible in that role um, and it fits fits your list. Right. Yeah, I think this is definitely something that I try to encourage people to think about a lot. Um, in Hack Islam, I often have discussions with people about Dilami, you know, those troops that have the shotgun and the Panzerfaust, and everyone says, oh, yep. you know, they're ARO troops, and I'm like, well, you know, they are, but, like, they're also camouflage troops with a shotgun. Like, you can hunt with this unit. It's BS-11, right. and it puts down two templates. It will kill quite expensive skirmishes um, right. if you get it into the midboard. So you're exactly correct that, like, this kind of fixed thinking, like, this is an ARO piece, this is a hunter, this is my, you know, hammer isn't necessarily the best way of thinking because actually units can be way more fluid than that depending on the situation. Mm-hmm. Right. So now I'm thinking a little bit about personal playstyle and improving at the game. And I guess I'm mm-hmm. thinking, you know, do you try to train lots of different skills and become good at, you know, AROing and the active turn equally? Or do you think, oh, you know, I've got a playstyle, I really prefer this, so I'm going to lean into it. Does that does that mm-hmm. make sense? Or do you think that's counterintuitive and you just get better? 
what's your take yeah on no it's a good question i mean i think um i think play style um when, when it comes to play style i think i know that i have a style as a player um i am a very aggressive player um at least that's what my you know opponents have told me and um the way that i thought about the game for the first two years and the way that i still think about the game uh to some extent is very much about having an awesome backbreaking attack run right um that's been my style when i started that was my style um you know up until you know up until some really high profile games where i tried that against very good players and it didn't work because they were really good at defending it and 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 at that moment I was like, okay, yeah, I gotta, I can't just rely exclusively on this attack strategy. Um, but it was my playstyle, and to some extent, it still is my playstyle of right. of you know, attack and then spend your pieces in ARO to to do even more damage if you can, right. and you know, shatter their list. And having shattered their list, you can do any mission. Yeah, very aggressive playstyle. Um, right. So that is my playstyle. But in terms of improving. I don't think it's valid to to just kind of focus on that. I think, um, you know, that playstyle has some strengths in it, and if you want to play well, you should play to your strengths. But it is also fundamentally flawed, which is that if I run into an opponent or a mission that requires defense, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I, you know, my playstyle isn't gonna support that, yeah. and no amount of being extra extra good at attacking is going to compensate for needing to defend for example for needing to uh carefully push buttons for example yeah sure or even you know being against a list that might be more aggressive than yours um mm-hmm. i think this right. is this is um actually a topic that i'm hoping to cover in a future podcast but um years and years and years ago there was a an article written about magic the gathering you know the card game um mm-hmm. And it was called Who's the Beatdown? And basically this article was saying, like, when you go into a game, you need to recognize, like, who the aggressive player is and who the defensive player is. Because if you get that wrong, or if you don't have the ability to switch from one to the other, Mm. you're going to lose games. Um, Right. So even with your steel phalanx list, like, sometimes you're going to be in situations where you think, I'm not on the beatdown here. I have to change my playstyle. I'm just going to lose. Right. Right. Well, and, and actually, that is that is the major reason that I wanted to switch from Nomads to Steel Phalanx was I, you know, I had been playing in a lot of tournaments. I had been playing against really good players, and my hyper-aggressive Nomads list just, um, it wasn't having the level of success that I wanted to have. I mean, that, I wasn't, I'd hit a wall in improvement, and so I switched to Steel Phalanx. I mean, I switched for a bunch of reasons, but one of the things that Steel Phalanx has that nomads does not have is steel phalanx is really tough they're just their units are highly optimized for being hard to kill yes and that gave me the chance to improve at defending that's true right yeah yeah that that let me start thinking about um you know how can i keep my units alive and or how can i um, make the most of my highly armored extra tough units to stop my opponent from you know, from from being able to achieve what they want to do. How do I get sure. better at defending, basically? Right. So you, um, you made a change to explore a different side of the game. Um, mm-hmm. which makes sense. Okay. So when you talk about play style and how an improvement, I do think that um, if you say, "Oh, well, my play style is to do X," you know, as you say, you're going to lose games if that's not the right thing to do. Sure. I think 
knowing what you're bad at and trying to improve at that is just as important as knowing what you're good at and playing well and in using that to your advantage. Right. So you you need to work on both both skills really. Yeah. What role do you think um, game balance plays for you personally when you're looking to improve? You know, would you say, oh, uh, combined army look amazing right now? I'm definitely going to take them because I know that they have a lot of good units and that's going to help me. Or do you think actually, you know, I think that there are some things that Steel Phalanx might teach me about the game, and you know, maybe they're not like the best faction in the world, but you know, they can mm-hmm. do well enough, so that's okay. Like, do do you have thoughts like that, or? Do you not think it matters, or does it matter? Yeah, well, I do think it matters. I think it's really important to uh, be careful about which faction you choose and how you make that choice. Mm -hmm. Um, The simplest answer is that if you care about playing well, and you think that your faction is not serving you Mm -hmm. um, as well as you'd like then you should change factions. You should stop playing the faction that you're playing and you should play something else. Because, um, you know, I think we've both seen a lot of people in the various discords who are saying, my faction is unpowered, unplayable, you know, that kind of thing. And we can talk about whether we think that those people who are saying that Pano is unplayable, for example, maybe they're not right. But if you feel that Pano is unplayable, if you feel that Pano is not serving your needs and improving as a player... Mm-hmm. I think you should change factions. Right. So this is this is a fulfillment thing. So you're saying regardless of whether or not that statement is true, what's actually right. true is like you need to have fun playing this game, right? And you need to right. feel as though you're making impactful players. And if you don't feel like you're making impactful players, then you're not going to be happy. So change faction. Exactly. Yeah. And Infinity is so generous with proxies and uh, tabletop channel, you know, makes it even easier. That switching factions is something that I think that that anyone can can really do, and um, ma- you know maybe they'll have more fun doing it. Right. Okay. So the really interesting point here is that actually what we're saying is that maybe there's some level of like you know balanced discussion to be had, but actually what we're talking about is this kind of subjective sense. Like if you're not happy with what your faction does on a personal level, then right. you can sit and practice it for hours, but you you might end up miserable. So maybe you go and try something else. Right. The yeah exactly I mean there but there but there is a flip side to that too, um, which is that when I was you know when I was getting started I I played a bunch against a buddy of mine Gyro, mm-hmm. and you know he didn't have a faction that he liked yet, right. and we were both getting started but I played pretty much exclusively nomads, mm-hmm. and he played a little bit of Aleph and then a little bit of Toha and then a right. little bit of this and a little bit of that, okay. and because he was bouncing around all that much. Um, you know, you never got the chance to learn what a faction was supposed to do. You never got a chance to learn what units were supposed to do, how to play them well. And so it, it gave the false impression that, um, in this case we weren't improving, um, because it seemed like, okay, you were always just the same level of kind of a beginner kind of getting crushed. Uh Whereas I think there is merit to just basically saying, look, I don't care if the units that I've chosen are exactly right from for me um i want to make sure that i practice with them and get to know them and and play them well because if you switch around too much you know you can you can easily get turned off from the game as well yeah definitely and i think there's a really difficult line to tread here isn't there because on the one hand what you're saying is entirely reasonable you know you want to be happy playing your faction if you're not play something else but equally right if you faction hop a lot and don't Mm -hmm. really nail down any particular skills and really stick with something then you might end up thinking, oh, this faction's really bad, when actually, like, 
you know, maybe you just need to sit with it for six months. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Um, I I remember this quite well as well. Years and years and years ago, when I started playing Hackerslam, I took for days, and I thought for days were awful. I couldn't do anything mm-hmm. with them. Like, what a what an absurd thing to think. You know, for days are bad, right? But right, I, I just did not know how to use a one wound attacker at all. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And so I said to myself, I'm going to play a Fidei in every single Hackerslam list I build. Every single Hackerslam mm-hmm. list is going to have a Fidei, and I'm going to just, if I do nothing with it, it doesn't matter. It's in the list, it's going to, you know, something will happen. Um, and I've got to the point now where I now take two Fidei's in every list, because I think they're the best troops in the faction. Um, right, right. And and that was literally because I forced myself to, to do something um, that, that I was weak at. I, you know, I tried mm-hmm. to consciously improve. Um I guess that's less about balance, right? Because I'm, not, you know, we can't for one second suggest that impersonators are bad. That's not true at all. But I guess right. for you, you have a subjective sense of what's good and what's bad, and right. sometimes, you know, that that's important. Right, and I think that the fide is a good in this particular case. It's a really good example of both cases because I think it's totally legit to say, um, I know everyone online says fides are great, but I just can't make them click. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I'm going to try something else. Um, I'm going to go play um, Rama Task Force. It doesn't have access to these guys, and I'm going to try to compensate for not having them with a different strategy. But on the flip side, um, you know, you also can see that by taking a unit, by practicing with it, um, you can, especially a unit that has such a sterling reputation as the the Fide, um, it's worth the investment of time figuring out how to get good with this unit, because once you figure it out, you're going to you're going to be able to, you know, swing the defenses. Right, yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess our answer to that question is both column A and column B. You know, sometimes change, sometimes don't. Yeah, I think if I were to give a more concrete answer, if you're sitting there and you're thinking that your faction is underpowered, uh, try pivoting to an adjacent sectorial, okay. right? If you're playing Pano and you're finding that you wish that you had hackers, for example, mm-hmm. play White Company. You'll still have your Fusilier, uh, you know, link team that you've you've sort of got familiarity with, but you can experiment with Varangians who have smoke and, um, I think that's in white company and, you know, the Gwilangs, which have, you know, those midfield repeaters and you can take your hackers and that, that pivot, I think can let you play stuff that you're familiar with, but also give you access to other things that, you know, people seem to think are really good and you can experiment with them too. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. So, you know, if you are really unhappy with your faction, you could do a small step instead of a big leap, right? You could, right. instead of packing in Pano altogether, you could go to a, a non-aligned faction that has a bit of Pano and a bit of other stuff. And now you get mm-hmm. to, you know, stick with the stuff you know, like the Fusiliers or the Kahu and all of that great stuff. And then you get to try, as you said, um, uh, that skirmisher that you mentioned, the Guilang, which is a great skirmisher. Um, right. Yeah, that that makes sense. I really like that answer. So sometimes you can change a little bit, but not a lot. Um, that seems mm-hmm. worth worth trying. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess we're on to the, uh, the final long-form question for today, and that is um, you've obviously got a lot of experience playing games now. You've played a lot of different people, and, and you've been improving yourself for a while. So what mistake do you see people make most often? Like if you had to pick one thing... Um, that you uh, see people really stumble on and make a make a big error there. What what do you think that is? It's um it's interesting, you know, because I I think that um people are are gonna have different um 
experiences and you know infinity is a very complicated game and there's a lot of ways that you can make you know 10 small mistakes mm-hmm. that add up to be worse than one big mistake mm-hmm. and so in that sense i think that you know everybody everybody's going to be making different small mistakes and so it's sort of uh reductive a little bit to say okay this is the one mistake that i see people making sure, sure. um that being said i think that if you want to improve at infinity i think there are sort of two pieces of advice that i would say um the first piece of advice is to be extremely careful before you blame your dice um this is a game with luck and in any game with luck you can get unlucky but before you blame your dice it's really worth thinking um what what were the odds here right did i really get unlucky um or was my strategy fundamentally flawed for example yes it's unlikely to get crit by a war core but if getting crit by a war core costs you the game then you should have picked a different strategy right. maybe i mean maybe maybe not right maybe you're in a circumstance where um because of how things have sussed out getting you had to risk taking on that war core and you had to risk um you know getting crit and then it happened yeah that sure. can happen yeah but it's worth thinking it's worth being very suspicious before you blame your dice to to kind of just be like okay should I be blaming my blaming my dice here, or um, did I did I choose a strategy that uh, left me vulnerable to getting unlucky? Right. So and actually, maybe saying, that's how I'd articulate. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good point. So what I hear you saying is that, like, you know, sometimes it is valid to say, you know, in this situation, my dice let me down. But hang on a second, maybe I need to question how I got into this situation in the first place. Right. Exactly. If if your strategy is vulnerable to getting unlucky um then you will um then some of the games you play you're gonna get unlucky and and this afflicts this continues to afflict me at least and i assume other players um at all levels i had a game very recently where i wanted to take achilles and i wanted to take out a salamandra tag Mm -hmm. and um i had uh you know nine orders or something in which to do it but I had to go through a couple of pieces, and each of those pieces took two orders instead of one to get through. Yeah. And that it was unlucky. It was unlucky that it took me two orders instead of one to go through a TR bot. It was unlucky that it took me two orders instead of one to take out a flashbulb spot. Um, but at the same time, my strategy relied on killing the salamander tag. And I did not succeed at killing the salamander tag because of this mild bad luck of of taking a little bit too long. And that means I should have chosen a different strategy, I think. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So you put yourself in a situation where you had nine orders to kill a tag and you're saying, well, it's possible, but it's a bit tight. You know, if I have Mm -hmm. to go through all of these other ARO pieces first. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You and, and if you basically if you need to win every face to face in order for your plan to work, um, then you need to have a plan B because um, you're you know you can't count on winning those face to face rolls every single time. Sure. Yeah. That's a that's a rough plan you know to have. Mm-hmm. So so yeah so so think about think about your dice. Think about was my strategy particularly vulnerable to getting unlucky? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and and think about that before you blame your dice. And okay. and and once you have thought about it, um, you know, get out get out your hammer and, and smash your die or sure. put it in dice jail or whatever you want to do. No problems there. 
Right. So maybe the situation sometimes is, yes, you know, that was unlucky. It shouldn't have happened. But in other situations, mm-hmm. you need to say to yourself, well, should I really have split burst against a Dailami? You know. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. No, it, it definitely makes a lot of sense. So I guess the top tip here is when you are trying to improve, it can be really tempting to blame things that you don't have control over, the dice. Maybe. Right. But sometimes it can be useful to just have a little think about the choices that you made that got you into that situation in the first place. Right. Cool. Yeah. All right. Should we um, go on to the quick fire round? I'd love to go into the nice. quick fire round. All right. So just some quick questions to get an idea for your personal uh, preferences and what you're into. Um, so first question, uh, hacking or tags? Um, it's quick fire, so I think I'm going to have to pick tags. You're going to pick tags over hacking? All right. Cool. Uh, you did I say think, that you're I an think... aggressive player. Yeah, well, I think as a Nomads player, um, you know, you have to rely on your hacking defenses. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I like the big chunky models with yeah. the big guns. Cool. Good answer. Um, all right, second one. Uh, camouflage or fire teams? Um, similarly, I think camouflage is probably the stronger skill, but Steel Phalanx doesn't have camouflage and it does have fire teams so i think i'm gonna have to pick fire teams going for the uh the aggro answer again okay um (laughs) yep all right uh infiltration or parachutist um let's see i think uh as a steel phalanx player i have to remind myself what these two things are (laughs) what Um, do these (laughs) do no i think it's infiltration being able to deploy outside your deployment zone is is really useful Mm -hmm. You'd rather start with something halfway than potentially get something a little bit further later. Yeah. Oh, and if we can go back for a second, that reminds okay, me. I did on. say on advice, I had two things. One was luck uh-huh. um, and thinking about that. But the second thing I did want to say is um, is think a lot about deployment. Um, okay. Someone said said uh, Infinity is a game that has four turns. There's three turns of gameplay, mm-hmm. and then there's deployment. Mm-hmm. Spending you know a quarter of your game thinking about deploying correctly is really worthwhile because right. if you just kind of set your troops down on the board um you can fail your attack run or you can you know get attacked yourself um and it's worth thinking about deployment as being just as important as turn one turn two and turn three okay that's really good advice so focus on deployment as a fourth turn it's that important yeah exactly Makes not sense. to i know this is quick fire round but uh i it, it's great it's something i think is used to bring useful to bring up yeah definitely no it it really is and i guess you know that question infiltration or parachutist is talking a little bit about like how do we want to deploy right what do i find more valuable um right well similar for the next question uh would you rather pick deployment or initiative i think i have more fun when i pick initiative as an aggressive player yeah but i do think that for some missions some matchups and some play styles um picking deployment would be the better choice Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things that I really like about having gone to this particular style of Steel Phalanx is um, I really can be very defensive. So mm-hmm. I like taking the initiative. I'll have more fun to get to go first and get to attack things. Yeah. Um, but it can be better to take deployment. Okay. Um, so you have a leaning towards one, but not always. Right. All right. Well, on to the, uh, the controversial question then. Uh, annihilation or countermeasures? I'd have to take Annihilation. Yeah, um, not going to go with the yeah. controversial answer? Well, I mean, I, I haven't had a game of countermeasures that wasn't sort of spoiled by um, 
chicanery with the classified cards. I know some people have games where the classifieds support their gameplay, but every game of countermeasures I've played has had something dumb um, with a dumb classified. So I have to go with Annihilation in this count. Makes sense. Um, cool. All right. Well, I think that's the end of our talk today, unless there's anything else that you'd just like to add or just throw in. Um, no, I think that's that's you know, I think we've had a great discussion and I think that's all I've got to say. Cool. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for speaking to me today. It's been great. Um, and I'll see you around. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. Good luck. Bye.